Welcome to the Girl on Top Shallon XO podcast. I'm your host, Shallon Lester, and you might know me from my YouTube channel where I analyze celeb relationships and scandals for the lessons we can take into our own lives. But here on the podcast, I answer the best questions you submitted over the past week. And today, we're going to be talking about ghosting, what to do when they come back, what's really going on behind the scenes, plus what you can do if you feel trapped in a relationship and don't know how to break up, and of course, difficult parents. But be sure to rate and review this podcast if you like it. And if you want to get connected with me privately and talk one-on-one, find me on the Instant Go app. My username is ShallonXO and click chat to get connected. So Brianna sent in this question and she said, so I just got back from studying abroad and... I had been talking to this guy while I was there from back home and he was telling his friends like, oh my God, I'm obsessed with her. I'm so excited. I'm finally talking to her, blah, blah, blah. So we get back. I get back into town. We have this amazing date and I kind of haven't heard from him again. But here's here's the asterisk on all of that. So when I was abroad, I cut my hair and I gained about 15 pounds or something. And I'm afraid that maybe he's not as attracted to me and ever since we slept together he's been kind of like leaving me on open and just being weird and distant but when I say our date was great it was like great like I went out to see him he called me a hundred dollar uber to come and see him at like 2 a.m we had like hours of talking I mean it was incredible so I really don't want to think that this guy is a fuck boy because I feel like he chased me really hard but I don't know what to think and I don't know if I should keep reaching out all right so first things first One thing I've learned is that guys cannot tell the difference between weighing 115 pounds or 135 or 145. It's just like body. And even if they can, like they don't, they don't evaluate us the way we evaluate ourselves. They're like, oh yeah, I don't know, butt's bigger, whatever. They're not like, I want a girl with abs and a thigh gap. A guy who says that is a homosexual. He is, because he clearly doesn't like women. He doesn't appreciate their bodies. He doesn't find anything interesting or sexy about it. That's what I would call a gay guy. So, you know, you're really not losing much there. They really just want a girl who's got a pretty face and who smells good and who's nice to them. So I also need to touch on, I actually don't think this was such a great date. A guy sending a car to pick up a girl at two in the morning so he can get laid. Um... That's, you know, I would rather him send a car to pick her up for a date at 7 p.m. that included dinner and daylight and normal things. Like, yes, it's great you have a deep conversation. And yes, it's great he did go to that effort. But one thing I've also learned is that booty calls can, like, involve conversation. Booty calls can involve an Uber that they paid for. Booty calls can actually involve dinner. And I've also had to learn to evaluate people not based on how they are on the date, but what happens after. That is almost more important than the date itself. Because it's easy to be charming when someone's in front of you and the drinks are flowing and it's like, hey, she's a pretty girl and she's paying attention to me. Of course I'm having a good time. But then if I'm not there, is it an out of sight, out of mind situation? Or worse, is he only actually capable of one good date? You know what I mean? And some people, this is really true. Like we as women, we have so much depth and we have so much complexity and layers and we're so wonderful that when we meet someone and we have one good conversation, we assume that that is indicative 
of there being the capability for a thousand other great conversations, a thousand other great lays, a thousand other great dates. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes all they're doing is all they can do. They have maxed it out. They're a one date chump. You know, we think about like a two pump chump. You can be a two date chump where you're just like, well, I don't know. That's all I had. Maybe those were all the stories he had. Maybe that's all the attention he was capable of giving. Maybe he was only really after the chase anyway. And he liked you more of like as an idea while you were abroad. And now that you're here, it's like, eh, meh. I know that I've fallen victim to that. I've done that. I'm like obsessed with like seeing a guy. And then when he's there, I'm like, you may go now. You know, like a little bit goes a very long way. So you just don't know. But one thing that I think this person is useful for, and any guy who is like this, when we have like one good date, what that should do is raise our minimum bar a little bit. You know what I mean? Now, oh, you know that guys can and will send an Uber. So guess what? I'm never going over to some dude's house at any time of day if he's not paying for it. Oh, I have had like a great three hour conversation. So I'm not gonna tolerate a guy who's giving me one word answers over text and like boring AF in real life. We're not gonna do that. And yeah, I'm only now gonna date guys who are gushing to my friends about how much he likes me. So maybe what this guy's purpose was isn't to be a viable boyfriend. Maybe it's just to be a signpost on your dating journey, you know? And maybe that's how we have to reframe and look at these people that we run into where it's like, why didn't this continue? Because maybe they're just like a firework, you know? Big bang, quick fizzle. So look at that and be like, all right, now I'm leveling up. Now I've gotten a taste of the good life, so to speak, and I'm gonna keep on going. And maybe the next guy date, oh, he's gonna have three dates worth of goodness. That's gonna be annoying if it clips there. But now I'm not going to date anyone who has less than three days. Now it's going to level up to 10. Then it's going to be three months. Then it's going to be six months. And before you know it, you've built this sort of staircase of standards into the plateau of a relationship you actually want and you actually deserve. So while we're talking about great dates and ghosting, I feel like we got to talk about this young lady's problem. So Olivia said, I'm at a loss here. I went on a great six hour date with a guy from Tinder last week and we had made tentative plans for another date over the weekend. We spent last week chatting a little over text and I sent a text on Friday afternoon, allegedly the day before our date. No response. Saturday, the day of our supposed date, it rolls around with no text from him. Then this morning, Monday, Monday morning, three days after my last text, he wrote me and just pretended like nothing happened. By this point, I had already unmatched him on Tinder and I deleted his number because in the past, I've been the one chasing the guys and putting in all the effort when they weren't willing to reciprocate. I don't have time to waste on guys who don't actively pursue me. I love that she's learning. And I've already been chatting to a couple of new guys on the apps. So anyway, I decided not to respond to his bullshit text. And I figure he was trying to do the slow fade and creep out of my life. So it's now 10.30 p.m. And I received another message from him. This is still Monday. A few minutes ago saying, Olivia, with like three A's. Olivia. It sounds like he really wants me to respond. And he did seem super into me during our date. And maybe it's just hard for me to believe that maybe he was busy this weekend. I'm just so confused as to what in the world could have kept him from responding to me and planning our date 
and yet texting me now and acting like he really wants to talk to me. I'm torn because like three days to text someone back does not scream, I'm interested in you. But I'm wondering if I should also be just like willing to give him a second chance. Like, I don't know. I need an outside opinion. Okay. I hate these scenarios. I hate them. I hate them. I hate them. I hate them as much as I hate the plastic crisis on planet Earth, as much as I hate immigrants being kept in cages at the borders. This is right up there. Because I have experienced so many times, oh yeah, let's do something Saturday. Friday rolls around, you text. Saturday comes and then like you spend the whole day on edge because you don't know if you're actually seeing this person. So you kind of don't make plans. You definitely wash your hair. You sort of have an outfit and you're like, what am I doing? What am I doing? And then nothing. And it's like, even if they do text at like seven, like, hey, what are you up to? It's like, fuck you. It's like, I'm just like a coiled viper ready to strike. I'm already so mad and so disrespected. And yet, of course I go. And then I'm mad at myself. It's just an agonizing situation. And I like I had boyfriends do this to me. My ex-boyfriend Joe would do this like a lot. And I'm like, you know what? I have a lot of emotions. I can make more emotions. I have a lot of money. I can make more money. I cannot make more time. So when I say that I have slotted you into my schedule, that is the greatest gift I can give someone because my schedule does not work like that. I don't freestyle things. I can't, I'm not like you who's unemployed and a fucking loser and I could just do things at the drop of a hat. Not that being unemployed makes you a loser, but when you drop out of school to become a rapper, it does. <sighs> so much wrong there. <laughs> but I digress. And it's like, to, in, to waste my time is like the biggest slap in the face of all. You know, it just makes me insane. Also, because guys like this, they play on you and they manipulate you and make you think otherwise. And then you get really, really far down the rabbit hole with a guy who is just plain a fuckboy. He's just a fuckboy, you know? That's what this dude is. Because let's be real. Let's be real. No one on planet Earth is too busy over the entirety of a three-day period to text someone. No one. No one. I have been in crisis modes. I've been traveling and in a different country every day for five days. I've always had my phone with me. I don't go more than 45 seconds without looking at my phone. That is a sad, pathetic truth of being a millennial. And certainly... If it's somebody who I, who I like, who I have a good time with, or who I just even want to get something from, you know, whether it's like a free thing or a job connection or sex maybe, right? Like fuck boys who don't want to fuck blow my mind. Like, what are you doing? You're not, you can't even do that right. You're that ineffective. You're a player who can't play. Embarrassing. And like I said, I've always got my phone and if there's someone who I ostensibly want something from, oh, I'm texting them back. I'm keeping, the, I'm keeping those lines of communication open. And I always go back to this and maybe I've said this before, but I'm gonna say it again. If Barack Obama could carry on not just a casual, we're talking relationship, but a full on marriage and fatherhood situation to someone as badass as Michelle while being president, no one's too busy. No one's too busy, right? He didn't ghost her for eight years. He was keeping all the fires burning. He was making her a priority. So as hurtful as it is, if someone's not talking to you, it's because they don't want to. 
or it's because they feel like they don't need to because you're more invested and they know they can play you and you're still going to be there, right? And I don't think you're probably that kind of girl. And it's interesting to me when she's like, well, it seems like he really wanted me to respond based on the fact that he texted your name with an extra vowel. He text, but he texted my name. He took his human thumbs and went O-L-I-V-I-A. Is that even how you spell Olivia? <laughs> I can't get socialized things. And then he added an extra A. Beep, bop, boop, boop. Wow. Guys, the bar's got to be higher. The bar's got to be higher. Even if he had apologized, which he didn't, or come up with some lame excuse about what he was doing, which he didn't, that still isn't enough. If all a guy needs to do is text you twice and use your name to earn entrance into your life and continued real estate there, even after behaving as poorly as he did, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, because I, I didn't know what to tell myself when this would happen to me. And it would. Only it would happen in the form of like, wow, like... He looked at my Snap story. He's looking at my Insta stories. He's one of the first people. Is he asking me out? No. Is he in my same town for a week and not getting in touch? (laughs) Yes. If he is getting in touch, is it only at 11 p.m. when all the parties he's gone to uh, were a bust or the girls were ugly or they realized he was ugly, so here he comes? (laughs) Yes, that's, that's a bit more accurate. And I was like, when did my bar get so low? This is what I went through with my good guy fuckboy. And I'm like, I just became so ashamed of myself and what I had allowed in my life. Because it's not like I'm 18 and I have not had a good relationship, you know? And like so many of you guys, that's what you're dealing with. You don't, you literally don't know any better. You haven't had anything better. And so you unconsciously normalize behavior like this. And like, how could you not? You know, babies like breast milk, that's all they've ever had. And they're like, this is great. It's not. I mean, it's really not that cool. You know, so we can't have this breast milk mentality about the people we date. Like, well, I, I don't know. You know and I know that something better is out there. It, you know it deep down in your DNA. Because you have DNA, because you got here on this planet somehow. You got here because your mom and your dad or your grandmother and your grandfather mated in a proper way, right? They had some sort of viable connection. They didn't just ghost each other into oblivion and no one ever got laid and no one was ever born, right? So there's some part of you historically that knows you deserve better. There's something better out there for you. And even if you don't, even if you're like, well, my mom and dad were super toxic, I don't know. You've seen movies where people aren't toxic. You've read poems and books and stories. You've witnessed it IRL. Latch on to that because what also stood out to me was that like in this, from Olivia's point of view, it's like, you know, maybe he was busy. Look, guys, no one ghosts once. Ghosting is not like just because it has a name now, like in our generation and it's like a verb, it doesn't mean that it's a one time thing. It is a pathology and it is your default setting of how you deal with the world and how you deprioritize the feelings of others because you're a dick 
It's how you minimize other people. You're a narcissist. No one else matters. No one else has feelings. No one else deserves any sort of accountability. Only you matter. Only Only he matters. No one ghosts once because, first of all, what was he even doing? He wasn't volunteering in a soup kitchen. He wasn't working on the SpaceX project. You know what he was doing? He was out with other girls. That's what he was doing on a weekend. And it's very significant that this happened on a weekend. And more significant that he's texting her on a Monday. If a guy relegates you to the weekday, that's a bad sign. And I used to always think it was a good thing. Wow, he wants to see me on a Tuesday. I mean, he could be busy with work and like, you know, he probably should just be chilling out and meal prepping. But no, he wants to see me and my mom, again, the the silent co-host of this podcast, sent me straight. She's like, that's because he's saving the like the prime days of the week, Friday and Saturday, for girls he's prioritizing. Because he knows that those quality girls will only accept dates on those days. They're not a 11 p.m. Tuesday girl because you know what they're doing? They're resting. They're meal prepping. They're getting ready for a presentation tomorrow. They're not dropping everything and running over to friggin' Tucker's douche condo to give him whatever he wants. Yeah, don't, if you guys, do you want to borrow my mom for like a little while? I could use a break from the truths and you guys might benefit from like Shallon's mom, like relationship rehab. She is no joke, but she was right. And you know, it took a while for that message to sink in. But now I look back and I'm like, yeah, of course, of course. Like it was no skin off his back to like, he was going to get dinner anyway. All right, let's go to Chipotle. He's just going to lay on the couch anyway. Sure, I'll have my dick suck. No big deal. You know, it was so low effort. So if a guy is relegating you to the weekday, it's not a good thing. And you don't have to accept it. Now, I don't accept a date during the week. I say, look, I'm busy. I have to do things. I need my time alone. I'm doing my sheet masks. I need to be on my game every morning. You may see me Friday night. And if they're like, I might be busy. I'm like, okay, you've just weeded yourself out. Now I see you for who you are. And thank you for saving me the time, the makeup, the energy, the plan B, whatever it might be. I don't need this. So we can't normalize behavior. I mean, we can and we do, and it's to our own peril. It's terrible. But we need to start expecting more. A double text? No, no, absolutely not. Expect more because the big fear is like, well, he won't meet it. Okay, he's not going to meet it anyway, girl. He's not. And even if like you accept this now, like I say, what we permit, we promote. So he's not just going to one day, six months down the line, be like, you know what? I'm going to become Prince Charming. No, he's going to do the bare minimum because that's all you're requiring. So when we start requiring more of people to be in our lives, they're either going to rise to the occasion or not even really rise because they will already be that kind of person and they will latch on to us because they'll be like, finally, a quality girl, finally, not a weekday bitch. Or they're going to look at us and be like, ugh, too too much work. I'm too lazy. Because fuckboys are lazy. Players are impatient and they're lazy. And if you can push on that, you can weed them out and they will self-select and they won't even text you anymore. They will get out of your life and you won't even have to bother. We need to lean into that and see these people for what they are. Not worth our time. So Layla asked me this question. 
and I think it's super important that we all talk about. She said, I'm a 21-year-old atheist living with very religious Pakistani parents, and I don't agree with them on this issue, and they're extremely overprotective to the point where I'm treated like a kid, and I just don't even know how to deal with them. So I hear this question so, so often, and substituted in Pakistani for like a variety of things. Jewish, Muslim, Hindu, Catholic, you know, Southerners, just take your pick. And I really think it's something that like the next, the new generations always struggle with. And I mean, this is like throughout history. It's always the new generation versus the old one, because it's unlikely that our parents are going to do a 180 and just like come around to our side if we are on complete opposite ends of some spectrum. So we're going to have to do the thing and make the decision that every single one of us has to make at some point on our journey to adulthood, which is, am I living for myself or am I living for my parents? Ooh, do you guys hear the thunder in the background? Whoa. I'm not even going to edit that out. It's cool. So yeah, am I living for myself or am I living for my parents? Our parents got to live the life that they wanted to. And if they didn't, you know what? That was their choice. If they succumbed to the pressures of their parents' generation, I mean, that sucks. But that was their choice, you know? And that might be a reason they're even more staunch about passing those things on down to us because it's like well if I didn't get to make my choices why do you get to you know there's an element of jealousy between the generations and we don't like to think that because it seems so twisted and toxic my parents are jealous of me I didn't ask to be born but it happens and it's it's useful to know this because it's always useful to know your opponent's motivation you know like I always say like my I love my art of war and like if you're feeling like you're in this battle royale with your family over Marrying someone of your religion, living in the same hometown, going into whatever profession they want, even dressing the way they want. You have to understand where they're coming from. So either they're coming from a place of, this is how it is, I didn't get to choose, and your ass isn't going to get to choose either. Or it's like a safety thing. Like, this is how we've done it for generations, arranged marriages, let's say, for example. And so we want you to be happy. We want you to be safe. Parents, more than happy, they want their kids to be safe. I cannot imagine how stressful it is to be a a parent. Like the amount of worry. Like I think back on when my dog, my Cocker Spaniel would like get out and she would, she would run like we were, like she was running from Guantanamo Bay. She had the best life in the world, but she's like, get me out of here. Just tearing down the street. And I was, I remember one time I thought I was going to faint. I was so worried. Like I was freaking out that someone like a car was going to hit her if coyotes was going to snatch her before I could get to her and I'm like that's probably what parenthood is 24 hours a day for the rest of your life so they want us to be safe and happy ideally so if we can craft a life that is safe and is happy and really constantly stress that to that to them it's like mom no I'm not a doctor I'm a graphic designer but I am so happy I pay my bills I'm saving my money I'm safe. If you can use those words and like tap into what they're feeling, it can really start to ease the tension. But let's say that it doesn't. You know, let's say that like, yo, they are what they are. They are not going to hear any new thought. It's just not going to change. What you need to do is become financially independent, right? Living under someone else's roof obviously has its benefits. You're taken care of. You're safe in a lot of ways. But for me, Being financially independent is its own kind of security. It is the only kind of security that matters. And I, like, I don't take money from my family. 
Like I really have tried to do everything on my own. And because of that, I get to make my own choices. I am not beholden to anyone. I don't have to explain myself about what I'm wearing, where I'm living. Oh, you're going on another vacation. Yeah, I am. Pay my own bills, pay my own way. I can do whatever I want. And I don't ever feel guilty then, you know, because it's like my family and I operate in two different spheres and those spheres are full of love, but it's like, I'm not dependent on them. They don't feel resentful. It's like, well, we're giving her money and this, these are the choices she's making with this because money bullies are real and money bullying is like, I think the most common thing in the world. I mean, think about like your dad pays for your wedding. Guess who he's going to invite? 50 of his lame ass banker coworkers, you know, because Hey, the person with the money has got the power. So if you're still living under someone's roof, you don't have the power and you don't actually get to oppose them. I wouldn't be happy if someone was in my house and like constantly fighting with me and telling me to change my ways. Get out then, go live your own life. Get out and go do your own thing. So prioritize financial independence, get another job, cut out the shopping sprees, make your lunches when you go to work, save that money, get it together and move out. And you're not probably going to be at the same financial level that you were like living with your family like they've just got it together more than we do when we're younger you know I go back to my mom's house I'm like wow look at all these like real forks there's nothing paper or plastic in this house you're living like a queen these are real q-tips but that's okay because I would rather be poor but at peace and free than a bird in a gilded cage So this question is actually not the first time I've heard from this young lady, Jo, but that's kind of the point. She's been um, getting in touch with me about an ongoing situation with a guy, and I might have even covered it on here. Like, honestly, I sort of lose track. But basically, she was like in and out of therapy with this guy who she's been on off dating for four years. And then when she decides she wants to walk away, suddenly he's like, no, I'll do therapy. But he'll only go to one appointment and, you know, maybe he'll not text her for days. It's just, it's just an extension of the bullshit. And throughout her messages, I told her, I was like, I can feel how done you are. I can feel how deeply this exhausts you, how over it you are. So just be over it. This is your permission slip to get the hell out of this toxic, pointless bullshit relationship. And I thought, she's like, you're right. You know, yes, yes. Here she comes again, though well, you know, we're still in therapy and blah, blah. And sometimes he shows up and it's basically a reiteration of exactly the same message the very first time I talked to her. And so she messaged me recently and was like, you know, I just, I don't know how to set boundaries and I don't know what to do. I feel like I'm addicted to this. And I'm like, okay, okay. At this point, we know what's wrong with him, but what's wrong with you? And I mean that in a loving way. Because when we find ourselves trapped, I'm trapped. I just, I can't get out. Fuck, shut the fuck. Of course you can. Of course you can. People have toppled empires. They have split the Catholic church to get away from someone they don't want to be around. In this day and age, when it takes a text, a tweet, a DM, a fax, a goddamn smoke signal or a carrier pigeon, do not lie about, I just... I can't, I don't know, I just, I can't do it. 
excuse me, I'm coughing. Because look, like I always say, you can lie to your friends, you can lie to me. I mean, not successfully, I see through it. But don't lie to yourself. So when I said, we know what's wrong with him, what's wrong with you, that means what emotional payout are you actually getting from this? Because you're getting something. You're sending me the same message again and again and again. And look, hey, I mean, if I was smart, I'd be like, keep, okay, no, don't break up. I'll keep taking your money. But I don't think that's ethical. <laughs> I want to help you guys, you know? And I really want to see you guys thrive and do well. So it's like, at this point, you have all the evidence you need. You have all the data points you need. You know what the future behavior is going to be because you're looking at the past behavior and that's the number one indicator. I've told you what the deal is. Your friends have probably told you. I guarantee that this behavior, this dynamic does not happen in a vacuum. Your friends are sick of it. Your family sick of it. Your coworkers are sick of it. And now you're coming to me like, okay, tell me the real deal. And I am. And it's still like, well, but hmm, maybe. Girl, it's your life. You know, it's, it's your life. But we need to analyze what we're trying to get out of something. What is the emotional payout here? Is it the victimhood? Is it the drama? Is it, I want to stay tied to this because I want to try to hurt him as bad as he hurt me? I get that. And that is a lot of times why I would stay tied to something, which really is a mask for, I just want him to love me. You know, like the opposite of love isn't hate, it's apathy. So whenever I've wanted to hurt someone, I've actually just really wanted them to love me. And I don't mean that for like commenters on the internet who say mean trolly things. I only mean that for people I've slept with. So <laughs> there's, there is a difference. I don't want just the riffraff of stupidity to love me. So I'm like, when you get to the root of that, then you really can start to move on. But if the answer is like, no, it really is worth my peace, my time, my future, because you're sacrificing your future. Life is only getting shorter. You don't know what tomorrow holds. And if this is how you choose to spend your youth, I mean, you don't get to complain anymore. And that's the ugly reality of it. And I remember, I think it was probably my mom, because of course my mom is the one who served up the, the coldest of truths to me over my life. Thank God. But you know, I was in a situation like this. We've all been in a situation like this. And she's like, okay, then don't complain anymore. You're choosing this. You're choosing the outcome. Shut up about it. This is clearly your comfort zone. It's not mine. It's not a healthy person's. But you've decided for whatever reason, this is all you deserve. This is all you're capable of. No one else agrees with that, but you do. So here you are. Shut up. And I was like, oh, I was not receptive to that message you know not at first but she was not wrong and so when I tell you guys that like I'm trying to give you that splash of cold water because like she said to me life doesn't keep going I lost my grandmother recently you know you guys probably know and it's like wow like that was her life you know, whatever it was, it was, and there's no going back. There's no changing it. Every decision she made counted. Every day that she spent added up to something larger. And it's like, some of it was good. Some of it was bad. Some of it was mismanaged. It just really makes you take a step back and be like, how am I living my life? When you're in the middle of it, it feels like you're in the eye of a hurricane. You know, it's like, well, you know, this is just gonna go on and everything's moving around me. No, it isn't. So take a step back and be like, Get real with yourself. Give yourself a gut check. Stop telling yourself, I can't. What you, never say can't when you mean won't. 
And I hate to quote Star Wars because I only have a very tangential knowledge of it. So if you guys are Star Wars geeks, I apologize. But I think back on what Yoda said, which was, there is no try. There is do or do not. And that's the way it is with breakups. I tried. No, no, you didn't. Do you think anyone is buying that story? No one is buying it. No one's buying it. And least of all, him. He, when you do this, when you say, I tried, I don't know, I tried. All you're telling this person is, yo, I can walk all over that girl. She can't even dump me. She can't even block my number. It's a swipe of a finger on a phone. She can't even do that. You think she's what, gonna walk out if I bring over to my house to hook up? She's not gonna walk out. Give me a break. You teach people how to treat you. And you're teaching everyone in your life that you're a pushover. And you're teaching this nightmare person that you're attached to or simply a nightmare dynamic that isn't healthy for you that it can go on forever because there's nothing you're going to do. You know that's not true and I know that's not true. And that's a horrible way to have to feel about yourself. You know that you're capable of that. And if you don't, well, now's the time to start learning that the opposite can be true. And you do that by making those decisions. I have never in my entire life ever met someone who is sad they broke up with someone toxic. I mean, for a little while you look back on it and you might have doubts, but when you get an appropriate amount of time and distance and perspective, no one's like, wow, I wish I'd stayed with that cheater. And if you do, you need to go therapy and work it out or come to me. I can straighten you out like a piece of wire. So the takeaway from this is stop telling yourself you can't do something. You won't. And if you won't, you need to look at why. Stop making excuses for yourself. Certainly stop making excuses for him and walk in the light of the truth. That's all for this week, Shaloners. Thanks for tuning in. And like I said, if you have a love question of your own that you need some help on, find me on the Instant Go app and click chat to get connected right away. Also, find me on YouTube, Shallon Lester. Click like and subscribe for new videos every Friday and a bunch in between. And be sure to follow me on Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter at ShallonXO. Stay savage. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.